Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome to season four, episode eight. Worth every shot. Yes, it is. But what do we do first? Well, before we get into any episode, this time we are really cracking a clock. Actually, did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Oh my gosh, it got off. Everywhere, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Worth every shot, baby. All over. (laughs) Well, that feels appropriately um, celebratory because this episode is one that felt like a celebration to me personally. Um, We had my sister, Emily, and my sister-in-law, Amber, come on to talk about their experience with in vitro fertilization, IVF, mm-hmm. um, which is a celebration in my opinion, because it's what gave the world my baby niece, who I am obsessed with. But yes. um, it was a really, it was a cool conversation. Like I realized halfway through that I did not know hardly anything of what they were talking about. And especially mm-hmm. didn't know about Amber's experience. And that mm-hmm. was really interesting to hear. Yeah, because your sister was the one that carried the baby. Mm-hmm. And Amber was the non-caring parent, which is this is the first time I've actually heard that term. So yes, so Emily, Megan's sister, she was she carried the baby. And Amber was a non-caring parent. However, that was the first time that I heard that term. And so when she said that during our um during our interview. I thought she said non-caring patient or parent. And I was like, oh, wait, what? No, <laughs> but it's non-caring. Carrying. Yeah, so you, yeah. Carrying. So if you hear it throughout the, the interview, yes, it's the non-caring patient or parent. I keep saying patient because I just got off work. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess she would have been the non-caring patient as well in the True. doctor's office. True. Which she talked about her experience with that. So Yeah, it was, um, I've never known anybody who went through IVF. um, So it was a lot of, a lot of knowledge and information. And it's just quite the story, like to bring like this little being to life. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. Like our bodies are amazing. It was so, yeah, it was so interesting to get to hear from both of their perspectives. We cover a lot of stuff about how IVF works, but also about what it, is what it means to have a child that's conceived via donor, um, Mm -hmm. lots of different things. So really interesting. And I just had so much fun talking to them and we hope that you guys all enjoy the episode. So let us know. Yes. Let us know. Okay. Here is worth every shot with Amber and Emily. Hi, Emily and Amber. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, Hi. welcome. Thank Hello. you. Thank you for having us. 
We're really excited. Of course, I'm biased toward you two. I love that we get to have my family on yeah, um, to share their story. Um, so I'm just like grinning ear to ear and really, really <laughs> excited to get into it today. Thank you both so much. Yes, definitely. And I love that your family's on here too, because your family is my family. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and their story is just incredible as well. So yeah, I really, really appreciate you guys coming on today to share that with us. Yeah, I might cry at some point. We'll see. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. But just to kind of tee things up, you know, today we're talking about um, IVF in vitro fertilization. And um, Emily and Amber, I want to give you a chance in a second to introduce yourselves so that people can hear your voices and be able to distinguish who's who. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so glad that you two were willing to come on and share about this experience. I think that for better or worse, people on a fertility journey don't talk about it very much. There's still stigma. There's still shame around it. We'll get into that more later, but. I think that there are probably quite a few listeners who are going to really appreciate the chance to hear a candid conversation about, uh, about your IVF journey. Yeah. 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 So really, why don't, uh, and I also, I guess really it's like your journey to becoming parents, like IVF journey is so scientific, right? But why don't we start with just having you introduce yourselves um, and maybe you can say hi first and share a little bit about why you agreed to come on and then Amber, same for you. Yeah. So I'm Emily and I'm Megan's sister, but also a avid listener of the podcast. So it's cool to be on it. I was telling Amber, like, I don't know if I'll listen next week because it'll be weird to hear myself, but (laughs) I I will. Um, Yeah. So I'm excited to be here because I just love what you two are doing with the podcast, first of all. Um, And then, yeah, having an open, honest conversation about fertility and um, uh, how we came to be parents. Um, I'm excited to get into it. Thanks, Emily. And Amber? Hi, I'm Amber, and I am the non-caring parent in the duo Emily and Amber. So one of the reasons that I'm super excited to be here is when we were going through our process, it was pretty difficult to um, find stories and find people that I felt connected to. So I feel honored to be able to share a very small individual experience with others who maybe are going through a similar experience and having a hard time finding a place. Oh, Amber, that's really beautifully put. You know, I, I I didn't even think of that, which probably goes to show how often the non-carrying parent in the duo gets forgotten about. (laughs) Um, So thanks for bringing that perspective to the table today. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, shall we start with where did this all begin? Yeah, take us back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting as like I was kind of prepping for this, I found a journal that I wrote in through the process and it's like ba- it starts back in 2018. <laughs> wow. Um when we decided we wanted to start our family, we had just moved back to Arizona and um we tried a few different ways. So we tried some methods at home first. 
last, we bought donor sperm and we tried to um, inseminate me, just the two of us at home. Um, and I didn't realize how many times we tried that till I found the journal. And I guess we did that about four times um, with no luck. And then we switched gears and found um, a doctor in the town that we live in. And we tried um, IUI, which is inter interuterine insemination. So basically where they just like put the donor sperm into you. And I don't know, Amber, have we tried that? Like how many times? A couple, three? Yeah, three times for sure. Yeah. With that Uh, doctor. So not to interrupt you, Emily, but we actually, the first time we tried was in 2015, right after we had got married and we were seeing a certain doctor here in town and we had gone through that process first, then life. And now 2018, we were here in the middle of this. Actually, you're about to get into 2019 where we were at. Yeah. Yeah. So the 2018 stuff was all like at home and then that didn't work. So then we, in 2019, we switched gears and went to see a doctor. Um, and I went through a few procedures, like got some polyps removed and, um, uh, just nothing crazy, but went through a few things before, um, we tried the IUI and then, yeah, we did that a few times and it didn't work. And then the last time it didn't work, the last time I got a negative pregnancy test um, was January of 2020. And so then I needed a break. <laughs> Emotionally, yeah. I was exhausted. And um, it just like every time I saw a negative pregnancy test, it really did something to my brain. And yeah. so, um, yeah, so we took a break and I'm glad we did because then it was 2020 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I could not imagine have being pregnant through the pandemic or having a baby in the midst of like the height of the pandemic. So honestly, I think that was uh, meant to be. <laughs> could you talk a little bit before you get into like, and then we started IVF, like, could yeah. you talk, could you two talk a little bit about the emotional experience of those like those attempts and then it not happening um it's a lot of money it's a lot of heart like I remember at one point Emily you were like every fucking lesbian I know is getting pregnant except for me like what why is my body not willing to carry a baby like what's wrong with me there I know there was a lot of that so you know you would call me with this like (laughs) negative pregnancy test. And I imagine it had to be a big toll on you both Mm -hmm. and maybe a big toll on the relationship, not to get overly personal here, although that's kind of what we do, but I just (laughs) would, do you mind talking about the emotional experience of of that time before we get to the next phase of your journey? Yeah. Yeah. I could go on and on. Do you want to chime in first, Amber? Sure. Well, uh, where I'll start with that is at this point, as sitting here today on the podcast, we've been to three different doctors for mm-hmm. this journey. So I'll go back to the emotions through, you know, kind of each doctor and how they approached health overall. So first doctor was super clinical. It was very sterile, um, you know, fluorescent lights the whole time. He was very direct. And there wasn't a ton of um, discussion about lifestyle, our own personal health, Emily's health um, as a caring partner. The second doctor was a lot more about lifestyle. And so that was one thing with the polyps being 
discovered and removed, the previous doctor had said, yeah, there's maybe something we're not going to worry about that. Well, then, you know, doctor number two was like, this could be what's inhibiting it. So you go through these emotions where you go to the white coats and they're the experts, right? And they're telling you, I'm great at this. This is what I do. And for me personally, there's still a place in your gut where you're like, this isn't care. Like, this is just a process. Um, second doctor, I felt a little more um, open and comfortable with. He was asked about our diet. Um, what is our lifestyle? Made some health style or excuse me, lifestyle um, suggestions, as well as getting the polyps removed before we even went through the financial process of trying the first time. So when you're spending this kind of money and someone says, hey, let's do these things to ensure you have the best chance. You're a little bit more like, okay, this is cool. Like I'm here for this, right? And then it's still pretty clinical. So for me, we go in as partners and, you know, Emily hops up on the table. She's got the cute little paper gown around her waist and I'm sitting in the chair like tucked back in the corner. Mm-hmm. And so like there's that kind of like very odd thing of like me and Emily are <laughs> in everything together like that's the beauty of our relationship is we're like next to each other through it supporting each other full time and then there's this huge thing that you're doing and there's this little chair for you to sit in mm-hmm. and like not hold her hand and then there's a man who's like rooting around and doing his job mm-hmm. right so <laughs> there, there's a lot of emotion up to before even getting the negative results, the Mm. negative pregnancy test. And I will be honest, the negative pregnancy test, the emotion for me was how do I support Emily, Mm. right? So because my body wasn't going through this, I personally have never wanted to carry a baby in my body. So I don't feel emotionally connected in the sense that I think Emily did in that fact. But then there was also like, what do I do for my partner? Mm-hmm. and going through it so many times there's a point where you're like there is nothing I can do but just be here and like hold that space while she's crying every couple of months or you know for a while every month kind of a deal um but then there were really beautiful moments too so in particular I remember this fertility bath that Emily had made for herself and it was so gorgeous with yellow flowers and petals in it and like she looked so beautiful sitting in it and candles and mantras and things like that. So it it's um there's a lot, a lot of trying times and there's a lot of really beautiful moments before um before we are where we are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely couldn't have gone through this experience with anybody other than Amber. Like they're very, very supportive partner. And I'm very lucky. Um, But yeah, the emotions are intense. I mean, like I said, every time I saw a negative pregnancy test, like I did, I beat myself up, like something's wrong with my body. And why can't I get pregnant and this and that. And there was a point in all of it that um, someone we knew who was much younger than us who wasn't trying um got pregnant and that was like the straw that broke the camel's back I was like what the hell like this person doesn't even want to be a mom like they don't have like you know you just you work yourself up and you compare yourself to people and I was definitely doing that a lot throughout it um because it's it's hard and it's it's so interesting because like 
I know so many women go through this and they like try for years and years and years and years, right? And we are really lucky once we get into talking about the IVF, like we got pregnant the first IVF try, right? So like, we are really lucky in that sense. Like I, I don't think I have like infertility issues. Like we are going through fertility treatments because we are two biological women together. That's the way we can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I, yeah, I feel lucky in the sense of like, it didn't take us as long as it takes some people, but it was still, it was still emotionally taxing for sure. I mean, there were plenty, like Megan said, phone calls or probably like pictures of myself sobbing. (laughs) It was very Pisces of you. If you would, you would text pictures of yourself crying in the bathroom, which I'm not laughing at you. It's, uh, it was really sad actually. Like my stomach was. Yeah, I mean, um, I remember being, you know, hearing from Megan about your guys' journey throughout this. And I was just like, oh, every time it's like, yeah. like heartbroken. Yeah. I can only imagine what you guys have went through to get to where you are now. But now, like in hindsight, right, everything makes sense. But when you're going through it, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? And what's <laughs> wrong? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So then when, so, so then you were going through this, like experiencing this toll in different ways together over two years, mm-hmm. but you decided to take a break. And then COVID is like, hello, yeah. I'm here to make sure you keep taking a break for a while. <laughs> so when did you, when did you decide to go full on IVF? Cause that was a big decision for you to make. Like that was not where you started. And, um, I was a little surprised when you guys decided to do it. Um, because I, I just, I remembered early on, you were like, no, we're not going to do that. We don't think we need to. It's really invasive. So how did you get to that place? And it's very expensive. So expensive. Yeah. But, so, um, and, and that's something Emily mentioned, you know, probably all of us know women and families who have gone through this for years. Um, and so if you know someone that has gone through it, like there is a financial piece of it. Obviously, there are people that live different financial lives, but it is a huge toll on the household. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some friends actually that had a really good experience with a doctor up in Phoenix, Arizona, which is not where we live. It's not where they lived either. Um, and they were mentioning kind of the well, there's some discounts that are offered and mm-hmm. um, really good record, right? Like as if it's a baseball card, you're like looking at what the stats are, but mm-hmm. he had really, really good results. The clinic had really good results and they had gone through the process just a couple months ahead of us. And so it was, for me, it was kind of like, okay, we've taken this break. Um, we've gone through all of this and now really close friends are like going through this experience. So like, here it is again, right? Like it's coming mm-hmm. back around and me and Emily are both very much like universal signs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we called him and we had a consultation with him and he, he was, um, yeah, it was really fun to talk to him. He was very much like when we got on the phone, it wasn't like he was convincing us. It was like we had already signed on I to know. work with him kind of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> so he was totally committed in like, okay, what's the timeline? Like, are we working with anything in particular? And um, like, you almost didn't have time to be uncomfortable. And then at, towards the end of that conversation, he was like, 
well, I just want you to know I'm really good at what I do. <laughs> and like that could go one of two ways. Yeah. Right? Like, that could be like, fuck you, dude. Or it's like, well, that's what we want. And yeah. um, where we were at with our history, that's what we wanted was someone who like felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then within the initial conversation, um, not only like, do they, this place, I'm a teacher, right? So I was like, um, I need to have the baby at this point in the school year so that I can keep working so that I don't have to take a ton of maternity leave. And so like we planned it so that I could have tried, you know, if all went well, have the baby in May. And he's like, okay, then we've got to get started. You know, like he was very just like, all right, we're going to do it. And then we had like um, a financial planning meeting after talking to him and found out that they have a discount for educators. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the reason we were like, okay, because as Amber mentioned, it can be like tens of thousands of dollars. And um, yeah, so with the discount offered, we were like, okay, this is this is the place for us. No, it's not in the city we live in, but we can get there easily and we can make this work. And it just felt um, right in the time. Um, so we decided to move forward with it. And plus it was like, we'd spent so much money doing IUI like the amount of money of all of the tries prior to this probably would have been like one IVF round, right? So it was like, why do all of that again, when we might as well just go with something that is potentially going to be more successful. Mm-hmm. And one piece to all this too, is like, um, no one was getting any younger, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're oh, like, time. That little so thing. Unfortunate <laughs> and rude. It's yeah. like, we don't have necessarily tons of years yeah. to like keep paying this money and it not necessarily working out. I think I'll, I'll kind of speak for Emily on this, but that would have been as much trying effort as she went through if it would have gone through and like not been pregnant mm-hmm. and then been like, you're out of time. That wasn't an option. That is not an option for us. So it kind of, yeah, you have that conversation of like, all right, we've done this. We've tried, we put our best foot forward. It didn't work. This is a bit riskier. The results from him, right, from the doctor are a little bit higher. Um, So let's go for it. It was the right time. Yeah. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples. And so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. 
Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. It sounds like it. Can you, would you mind explaining what IVF yeah. is? Yeah, like how the it works. Yeah, yeah, how it works, what it means, and all the there's things. There's a lot of steps to I learned a lot yeah. about like follicles and stuff for you. Yeah. So there's a lot of <laughs> steps to it. There are so many steps, and I won't like give you like the detail because it could like I could drone on and on, but like, yeah, um, basically in vitro fertilization, and I was the person who we collected the eggs from and I was the carrying partner. So sometimes in same-sex relationships, like they'll do something called reciprocal IVF, where one partner is um gets harp is the egg harvester for lack of a better word, the person whose eggs they retrieve. And then they'll put those eggs into the other partner and then that partner will carry. So um that happens not all the time, but often in um, a same sex relationship, but we, I went ahead and did it um, both steps. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a lot of like medical terminology and it's a lot of like things that I never thought I would know about, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but basically like the first step is getting my eggs. And so in order to do that, Um, they put you on a bunch of medication. And so I was on a lot of fertility meds. um, And those are given like through injections through shots. So Amber was the person that gave me those shots every day once we were at that step, which is nice, because I don't think I would have been able to do it for myself. Some women can, it's no problem. Um, And luckily, they weren't in much, but because I thought that was going to be a thing, but it was all like in my in my belly. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we went in for our initial consultation and they talk about our, my age and health and they get all these numbers, then they can figure out how much medication to put you on. And so we did those injections for, I don't know. Do you remember how long Amber? So we, you started going originally in like June. And I thought, I think we started the injections around July. So July and August. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So a few, good few weeks. And that is to, um, well, I think, I think they got the eggs in July, right? 
yeah. So anyway, a good few weeks. Um, and that's basically to just like build up as many follicles as you can. And so like inside a follicle is where they can harvest an egg and a follicle has to be like so big in order to get the egg out of it too. So they're trying to like, just like fill you up, which is really uncomfortable and like god I'm sorry I'm laughing because <laughs> last when you were going through this you would send me these voice memos or these Marco Polos talking about how they were filling you up with eggs <laughs> and I always thought that was so gross <laughs> it's like they're just filling me with eggs <laughs> and that's I guess that's really what they were doing but I was like I just gotta stop saying fill me with eggs <laughs> I mean, did you get, I mean, they're injecting you with hormones. Did it make you really hormonal? And how was that whole thing, Amber? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, did it make me hormonal, Amber? <laughs> um, yeah, there was definitely a heightened sense of emotions in our household. And the, the best part is when, like, you know why. Yeah. Right. So Emily is sitting at the refrigerator wanting something specific that's not there and crying and laughing because she's like, I shouldn't be crying about this. <laughs> but there's no control over this. And yeah. so, yeah, you're just telling yourself, like, it's working. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's the best thing you can be. It's like, cool. This is working. Yeah. This is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely, yes, it made me hormonal. And like I yeah. said, it was uncomfortable. Like, you know how you get like bloated when you're on your period? Mm-hmm. Well, this was like times 10. Like mm. you're just like, so like my belly felt so big and I just felt so like full and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I I didn't even like when it comes down to it, once we like um, went in for the final consultation to look at my follicles to figure out like when the surgery day would be, I didn't even have as many as some women have. Like, I think um, I think I had like eight to 10 follicles growing where like some women can have like 20 plus. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I know <laughs> it's a lot. So um I wasn't even like at the like highest follicle count and I still felt pretty yucky so I can imagine that for some other people going through this that it can be even more intense and uncomfortable so what does it do does it just like speed up the process of like our natural periods every month like that lunar phase kind of thing it opens up all these follicles like at the same time yeah, basically okay. they they like stopped my period that by putting me on birth control and uh-huh. so then they took over my cycle completely. Okay. And um and then gave me all these injections to just like make a lot so that mm-hmm. they can go in um there's a surgery so then after I was ready um they you do something called a trigger shot which is like a certain kind of hormone that triggers the like ovulation mm-hmm. or um, like the like, releasing Yes, the releasing of the eggs. Exactly. Uh Go ahead, Amber. So the hormones leading up to that are to make sure there are the most amount of mature eggs in order to be released. So Mm. typically a female body produces one mature egg from one side of the body Mm -hmm. every 28 days, every cycle. Mm -hmm. So now you're trying to get someone to have as many mature Mm. eggs by the day of retrieval, because if you have an immature egg, you cannot fertilize it. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of that first hormonal um, 
process is getting all eggs possible as mature as they can before they're retrieved, before they can be fertilized. Yeah. And according to our doctor, they have to be a certain size. So I think it was like they had needed to be bigger than like 14 millimeters. So every time I would go in, when I was going through this stage, I was having to drive up to the clinic like every day or every other, it was like every other day. Um, so that they could measure how big the follicles were because it's like a very specific science. So once they, once they get to a certain, um, size, then you do the trigger shot and then you come back like two days later or 24 hours later, maybe even, um, for the egg retrieval. Mm -hmm. So it's like very specific and their window is very tight. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, once, once they, excuse me, once they were um, at the right size, then we did the trigger shot. And then it was, I, I think it was like 36 hours later, I was in Phoenix getting, um, do, getting the surgery, getting the eggs, the eggs retrieved. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Our bodies are like fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, because I'm picturing like these follicles because I can see them in the ovaries and like usually there's like this phase that they all go through every 28 days you know and I could just see them like all opening up (laughs) inside your ovary and just like having an egg sitting there like I don't know it's just insane how our bodies like the specific timing of everything right it's very it's you have to be like on it it's just fascinating to me um, how was the retrieval process? I've heard that could be a little painful or. Yeah, I would yeah. say that was the most painful part of the process because mm-hmm. it is like they, they put you under, like it is, um, a surgery in mm-hmm. a sense, or I guess a procedure. I don't know. Um, but they, they do put you under anesthesia and because COVID Amber wasn't allowed to be back there with me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, Amber dropped me off and then I went back there and all of the nurses the whole time we were there were so so nice but um they were trying to put my IV in and there was like drama with the eye like I have small veins and they couldn't get it in they tried one arm and they tried another arm and like it just wasn't working and nobody could get it in and it was starting to hurt me and so I was like having a little panic attack of like maybe is this, this is supposed to happen yeah, yeah exactly yeah. like yeah. this is the universe telling me like this is not this is supposed to happen <laughs> yeah and then um I think it was I don't know they had to call in like multiple people but eventually somebody got it in I think they had to put it in my hand if I remember correctly um which is like not ideal but anyway um then slept through the whole procedure and then you're just really sore afterwards. Um, like super like crampy, like the worst period cramps that you could kind of imagine. Um, and then they have to do after the surgery or after the retrieval, they give you progesterone in oil and they give that to you in a, as a injection in your butt. Mm So mm-hmm. my butt was really sore. It was like bruised, like a giant bruise. It was so crazy. But I guess that's so because they're taking all of your eggs out of you so that like to balance your hormones again, yeah. like a whole hormonal um, science. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, then coming home, driving home was pretty uncomfortable. I don't really mm-hmm. remember the drive. 
I think I made Amber's Amber go- face was just like telling a novel just in facial expressions <laughs> about that today. Yeah. 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 Amber, what do you remember? Um, yeah. Not being there. Yeah. Again, I was right? just like thinking that there. it's worse and, than being in the little corner in the chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, texting with Emily, like as she's, you know, kind of coming off anesthesia. So we do live in the modern world and society, like, thank goodness for phones during mm-hmm. this. So she was able to be like, this is what's happening. They can't get the IV in, which I'm already like, and so I'm sitting in the truck with the AC on like there waiting. And so mm-hmm. you're getting all these messages and having to say the silly things of like, well, the nurses are really great. Or like you're, you're in good hands kind of, you know, shit that you mm-hmm. say to like try and help someone mm-hmm. that you can't sit with. Um, so gets, gets done and like going back in to get her was great. And she's like, got her little head thing on <laughs> and you know just yeah you can tell she's not really feeling good stuff so the car ride was fine I mean it's like any road trip person mm-hmm. in the passenger seat just takes a nap <laughs> when you get home it's it, yeah we had I think uh Emily has it written down that basically like she's on bed rest for a couple of days and and I was um I think it said maybe room service or something so whatever she did I would get her and she fell asleep in like 30 minutes. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like for me, totally chill, hands off. The worst part is like n- just not, not being in. Yeah. 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 Well, how about like just to fast forward to the insemination? Were you also out of the room when they were doing that? So bless the office. Because no, I was okay. able to. Okay, thank God. I was Wait, they were doing the insemination. Well, oh, when you put they the took out the yeah. 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 Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so why is it that? So, side this time, right? Yeah, okay. no, you're right. Okay. So, implantation. Okay, so the insemination right. happens in a laboratory. Yeah. And they, and they grow the egg. So, yeah, the, the implantation. And not only was I allowed to be there, but they were really really welcoming of me and like really making me feel a part of it got to like hold her hand I'll talk you through the whole thing on the screen um so again super super happy with the clinic that we went to and um the way that they really I felt through the whole process brought me into it the worst is the exams um which is probably true for anyone mm-hmm sitting in the corner, like watching it all happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if I go in and get an exam, no one else is in there. So I don't even worry about it. But like being in there with your person and like, just, Hey, I'm over here. Like, yeah. yeah, cool. I can see your insights on the TV. This is really cool and fun. It's part of it. It's part of it. Now I know that. Um, but yeah, that, that would be the, the oddest part for me is just like sitting there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to like rewind a little bit, like after, after the procedure, after the egg retrieval and the procedure, then you have to, you have to give your body a little break before you can do the next part, which is why sometimes when it's a same sex couple, like one person will do one part and the other person will do the other part because then they can do them pretty quickly back to back. But because I was doing both, I had to give my body a bit of a break. Um, so the retrieval was in July and we don't do the implantation until the end of August. And so, um, yeah, I, I take a couple weeks off from like hormones and all that stuff. And then they put me back on birth control to take over my cycle again and start giving me 
hormones that are going to make my uterus really like prime. Yeah. Yeah. A a good place um, for the um, embryos to go. And even before that too, there's like the stress of like how many eggs did they retrieve Mm. and how many were they actually able to fertilize? Because um, like I said, I didn't have that many. And the conversation with the doctor the day before the procedure, he was like, honestly, I thought we were going to get more. Like he was a little like, "Uh uh-oh, if we have to do this again, you're going to need to like up the medication because your body just didn't respond to it quite the same way. So I was like freaking out that like, oh no, we're going to get two eggs. And then what if they only can fertilize one? And then what if that doesn't take, you know, you do the whole spiraling thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we were lucky and they were able to get um, enough to fertilize I think it was six, no, five, five final. So they, we got five eggs fertilized and they call them blastocysts once they're fertilized. And so we had five that were great looking and were able to be frozen for future use. So that was really, um, I don't know, what's the word? <laughs> Encourage, awesome. encouraging. Yeah, reassuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then um, after I took a little break and went back on different hormones, this time it was like progesterone and estrogen um, to get my uterus all ready. And then that was, those hormones made me crazier. <laughs> it's the PMS probably, right? I mean, that's the whole premenstrual syndrome or could be like a disorder or like Mm -hmm. the PMD yeah like a thing too but yeah yeah I can see why just yeah and it like and yeah they they made me crazy they made me sick like they made me feel not good um and it sucked because even after they did the um implantation I had to stay on those hormones Mm -hmm. for like a good while, like almost the whole first trimester. Um, just, and, and thank God, like medication is amazing because it made the pregnancy stick and vital. Um, and so it was good, but, um, so do they only implant one embryo then? Yeah. This doctor, oh. Yeah. This doctor does. You can, you can request for more, but he kind of, um, advises against it. I don't remember why. Do you Amber? Yeah. So the chances of the embryos through IVF twinning is mm-hmm. increased. So if you implant two embryos and they both twin, mm-hmm. you oh, have, you have quadruplets. Yeah, then you're oh, out. Gosh, or you go through the other process of that's more than we bargained for. Now yeah. we have to make certain calls. Yeah. Um, now he was willing. Obviously, again, I'll bring it up. The age was a circumstance. He, even with a geriatric, in quotes, mm-hmm. pregnancy or, or um, person who is, you know, higher age and getting pregnant, he still rarely will implant two at a time. Mm-hmm. He said he will. We had to sign um, if, if we wanted to do that, he would mm-hmm. have. But we had to sign yeah. saying we understand the risk here, which was a huge myth for me, right? Like, Hollywood is like all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Go for it kind of deal. So that was really cool to hear him. And, uh, and he took a lot of time to explain this type of stuff to us, but I do, I remember him on the phone being like, this goes like this. And I was like, Nope, you know, (laughs) 
Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. No, no twinning or double twinning, I guess yeah. is what it would potentially Can you imagine be. taking oh care God. of four babies right now? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they have one, spoiler alert, it all worked out in there and they do have a baby and she hates to sleep. <laughs> so, okay. So you get the implantation happens and then, um, you find that it works. Like, and then well, you wait for the pregnancy yeah, test, right? So, Here yeah. we are again, seeing so, if you're, yeah, yeah what's that positive or negative, right? Yeah. Oh gosh. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, right. It's like they, the second they implant it, you're pregnant because it's fertilized. It's already split. Um, the cells have split at least twice and then is it going to stick? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. And, um, what did you ask? How long, what? Yeah. How long did you have to wait? Like you must've been on pins and needles. Yeah. On all of the, like, if you're, if you've gone through this before, you know, people, there's like fertility blogs and there's like a whole fertility community. And so it's called the, like, 2WW, which is the two week wait. Mm -hmm. So you, um, it's usually two weeks. I think in our case, it was 10 days um, because IVF, I guess you can find out a little bit quicker or whatever, Mm -hmm. but we had about 10 days that we had to just kind of be in limbo being like, uh, did it stick? Did it not stick? And of course, like, I'm like, oh, like my boobs feel more tender and like, oh, I have I like all the little things that you're like, oh, this could mean pregnancy, mm-hmm. but it could also mean your period's about to start. Yeah. I fucking hate that shit. Why do they do that to us? Um, yeah. Gosh. yeah. <laughs> like the symptoms are so similar that you're like, yeah. like, like, oh no, am I pregnant? Or, oh no, am I about to bleed? <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that was like a weird time. Luckily it was pretty much like the beginning of my school year still. So I could like keep my brain pretty busy. I was a teacher at the time. Mm-hmm. I could keep my brain pretty busy, but Amber's shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe for the day hours, your brain was busy, but there was not a moment that your brain was free where you weren't thinking about it. And one of the things that they really encourage you is to wait for the medical pregnancy test because your body is already on so many hormones mm-hmm. that you could pee on a sick and have a positive and then still have your heart broken. So that was something that was told to us very, very uh, sternly, I felt. Mm-hmm. So did you do the blood or did you do the pee stick anyway? <laughs> okay, this is, this is going <laughs> to cause... This is gonna cause a fight. No, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we we have we have worked through it. And we we have definitely worked through it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So I was supposed to wait for the blood test, and like mm-hmm. the day before the blood test, or the I couldn't wait any mm-hmm. longer, and I peed on the stick, and it was mm-hmm. positive, and it was so exciting for me to see a positive pregnancy test because I have only seen negative pregnancy yeah. tests, so it was like that feeling like I just wanted that feeling um and it was really exciting but Amber makes a good point that it could have been a false positive and so the next day I went and did the blood test and then luckily we got the results that same day they called us that same day um the doctor actually called us and it, it was such a funny conversation he's a character um and told us that we were pregnant and so 
Luckily, I didn't mm-hmm. have the heartbreak after taking the pee test yeah. uh, or the, the stick. But um, yeah, so that was really obviously a super exciting moment in the oh whole process. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Your birth so story much. is just insane. Yeah. Like that's before it even gets to like the pregnancy and the, yeah. and the giving birth. It's like, sure. Yeah. You guys just, you two just wanted to be parents so badly. I've never really known two people that wanted to be parents and be parents together that way before. Yeah. Um, and I want to like keep talking about your experience together, but one aspect that we haven't even, we haven't even acknowledged really um, is that in order to become pregnant as two like biological women starting a family, you had to rely on a donor. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm curious what, like, how did you figure out that side of it? Like yeah, just who, picking what, someone out um, of a book that probably yeah. feels really weird. Um, how did you think about the donor? And then, and then I got like some follow-up questions to that, but like, that is a, that's a part of the story mm-hmm. and it had to be a strange one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because we had started this process in 2015, we were familiar with the sperm bank's, and the website. So it's very, um, well, from what I have seen, it's similar to like dating app style, right? Is you kind of go through and like swipe left. You just swipe in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's go uh, a little prior dating apps, right? Old school dating apps where it's like, okay, what are you looking for? So you can put in like dark hair, um, tall, short, Hispanic, Caucasian, you know, you, you really like filter mm-hmm. out and narrow it down through different sperm banks. So in 2015, when we were using the first doctor, they worked with two sperm banks. And then the next doctor worked with like three and only one of them was the same that we had used before. All these sperm banks have free access. Then you have paid subscriptions where you can get more information from you know, your donors, you can see different types of pictures, different health history. Um, so it, that that's really open-ended. And that's one way of going about it. You can also have a donation from someone you know, or someone, 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 someone knows kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did go, go the anonymous, um, went through a sperm bank. The, the odd part for me, and I don't know why. But these gentlemen's uh, vials are all priced differently. So you have fluid that can be used for ICI, which is inner cervical, IUI, inner uterine, and then IVF. The IVF is clean and is just sperm. The other is semen. So each of those cost different because of the processing, but then each person can have a different price. On That's so their weird bio. and kind of skeevy feeling. Yeah, it's the same it, thing as like how privatized adoption can feel a little gross in that way with like putting a price on yeah. a person's stats. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. And like I said, we never dove into it to be like, why is one person two hundred dollars cheaper than another person? That wasn't necessarily, um, you know, again, price was a factor, but it wasn't like, well, we got to get the cream of the crop kind of deal it was like okay let's let's be real we're getting more information about this other 
part of our child's gene than most couples would ever even think to ask. Um, so the, the fun part for us was you get to see a baby picture. That was like the free version, right? So yeah, what do you do? You're like, oh, this, this, this one's cute. Look at these cute little cheeks and look at these <laughs> eyes and oh, what a cute little smile. But then you're just like, we want a family too. You know what I mean? So it, yeah. it, I don't feel like we um, spent too much time like going back and forth over the fine details of who or what it was we were looking for. Mm-hmm. No, I always tell people we were just kind of looking for like the healthiest person we could. So when you can see like the medical history and the family health history, mm-hmm. like if somebody's died in their family, like um, making sure it's not like heart, you know, looking at heart disease, looking at yeah. diabetes, looking at all these things that I already know on in my biological DNA, we have a lot of. So let's not get that from another human, you know, let's try to get like the healthiest person uh, that we could, but it is, it's weird. It's definitely mm-hmm. like a weird process. And um, Amber mentioned, we chose a closed ID donor. So like an anonymous donor, I was just looking at the cryobank that we used um, recently and they actually in 20, I guess it was just this year or maybe last year, um, stopped the closed ID. So now anytime somebody donates to this cryobank, it's an open donor. So that way um, donor conceived people can reach out to their donor later in life if they want to, at least from this particular Mm -hmm. cryobank. our daughter won't have that same opportunity, except that I was reading more fine print and you can reach out. And then if the donor is open to it later in life, like they can give whatever information and they do try to like update health history. So they ask that these men that have donated, if something major Mm -hmm. changes in their health history or their family's health history to um, contact the cryobank. Um, but I guess that's just kind of on like a scout's honor kind of thing. Like, I don't know if they like track them down, but they do ask like if something big health-wise happens, please let us know so we can update um, the people who have used you as their donors. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a really interesting world. Yeah. All right, yeah. Okay. Have you two thought about how you'll talk with the, with your um, daughter about all of this stuff? I mean, you're her parents and um, she has biological DNA connected to the donor. And I'm just thinking about earlier in the season, we had our friend Alexis on who came to talk about her DNA surprise. Basically, her parents were not honest with her about her um her biological father for her until she was in her thirties. And um, so she talked a lot about that. Now it seems impossible for you two to not tell, talk to your daughter about this because just biology. Um, But you know, how, how have you thought about like how you'll have these conversations with her as she grows up and um, how do you, yeah. And how do you feel about having to have those conversations with her? So, um, Emily and I, uh, before we had kids in this process, were very much like, we have to be honest, right? Like, that's a core value in our relationship is honesty. 
and being open to that. So I had mentioned earlier there and not too in detail, but there's a lot of feelings and um, lack of validation or worth that I deal with by not being the biological parent. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I come from a family, my father was adopted and he has a great story of like knowing that, you know what I mean? And being really open with his parents about that. They were really open with him and his perspective, which is not everyone's still to this day is I know who my parents were. They were the ones that raised me and they were the people that fed me and housed me. And, you know, I got in trouble from like, those were my parents. So it could be a little bit of an ego, but that's the mentality I'm going into it with ours is my job is to show up as the support system now. And thank goodness we live in a world where this technology and these other humans that I'll never meet were willing to do this for families like us or other people that struggle with fertility issues. It's a really, really cool blessing to have. And at the same time, I will let our kids lead the way. Yes, there will be questions. Yes, there will be conversations. I also know how beautiful kids are that when they're, you know, in kindergarten or first grade, it's like, but this is my parents and here's my drawing of my parents and they will be a step ahead of where I'm at because of how they're being raised. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I think that that's really important. I think that having the conversations will be based on where they're at and the information that they want to ask. Um, at this point, we did have a closed donation. And so that would be the honesty of it, right? Is I'm not keeping this information from you until you're 18. I truly don't know if you're really interested in it. Like, how can I help support you in figuring this out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just to have, like, I'll just reiterate that having the open, honest conversation from the very beginning and explaining to her, like, wow, isn't science so cool? Like, you know, we can explain all of the, like, what we went through and like how amazing that like we wanted our family so badly and science made it possible for us. And this other person, like Amber said, that we don't know did a really great thing and helping our family come to be. Um, So there's a lot of books too about things like this. Like, so when, as she grows up, like finding books that are on her level and conversations um, as a as she has questions and so we never want anything to be a mystery to her we'll help her try to figure out as much as she possibly can um, especially like the donor that we chose um, is a different ethnicity than me so I think that's mm-hmm. a really important part um, for her to know where she comes from and um try like not hide that from her as well right Mm -hmm. and so um trying to like find out as much as we can about everything to give her as much information and so when she gets older she doesn't feel like oh my parents hid this from me or oh I was um they raised me to be somebody I'm not or they hid something like we definitely never want it to be that we're hiding anything from her so Mm -hmm. big stuff kind of heavy mm-hmm. so I appreciate you both yeah. sharing about it and Amber especially I appreciate, appreciate your willingness to be open about the parts that are um challenging emotionally and internally for you 
Mm -hmm. um, with being like not the caring parent and yet like your devotion to just like being a great parent period shows up so much in your answers. So, but I just wanted to give a little bit of extra like love and validation to you on that because I know there's probably tons of emotion behind all of this. Yeah, they're, they're, um, it's so funny to me to watch Emily like getting injected with all, all the hormones and we talk about those emotions and that that is the process. Um, I really honored that process because it is very real, but that's half of this, the story, half of the partnership. So um, it's important that comes back to like, it's important to me that the kids see that and know that as well. I'll be honest about that part of it as too. Um, there's not a lot, I'll go, I'll say it again. There wasn't a lot for me to turn to. Um, there's a lot about same sex parenting and there's also a lot about just like, you know, two women, two identifying women. There's a lot of stories there, but like, what about the non-binary folks? And like, what about the non-binary parents? So, you know, there's, there's a piece for me that's missing and I'm just the type of person where it got me down several times. And I'm like, well, why don't I just tell my story? Yeah. It's it's one little voice that can be out in the world that somebody else might be going through and can hear it. And that's all I really have. So um, I like to take life in that sense of like, doesn't always have to be easy, but there's something to learn and then something to share from that. So I appreciate you noticing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like with your with your daughter, like she's going to have her own lived experience of all of this. And as you two, as her parents, and uh, I can only speak for like my brother who was raised by my dad and, you know, he's, uh, wasn't his biological father, but he calls him dad. He, he didn't know any different, even though he was white and we were Filipino. Like he had, my brother had no idea growing up that my dad wasn't his biological dad until my dad told him, which then broke his heart <laughs> because he was like, didn't tell him in the most, um, you know, the, the most uh, sensitive way <laughs> or thoughtful way. Um, but even to this day, like he's, he calls my dad, dad, and he took on my dad's last name. And it's like, it's just, this is his lived experience. And this is who his parents are, you know? So as much as, um, and I totally hear you and what you're saying is, and you have your own story, Amber, of what you're going through and everything, but also she's going to see you as her mom, you know, she's going to see you as her parent. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And like, what a gift, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like the, the pieces of me that don't feel whole in the process are so filled up right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, not that it doesn't matter because it does. And that is the experience, but it really changed once she was here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. This was, this was why you went through some of that hard stuff. Like this is why you kept showing up every day. Yeah. And because you do, and because you do show up for her and you'll continue to do that. Like, I mean, that's just what parents, I mean, that's what I would want my parents to be, right? Yeah, if you be there for her, that's all that you need to be. Like, you know, like the love is there and that is the most important thing out of all of this. The love is there. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. It's so funny because now that she's here, like there's so many things that already she does that I'm like, oh, that's Amber. (laughs) Like, you know, like (laughs) she's going to grow up with like, 
yeah. these mannerisms mm-hmm. and these ideas and thoughts that are similar to Amber because Amber is also her parent. And yeah. um, even like, like their hair, like our daughter has very wild hair when mm-hmm. she wakes up in the morning or just always. And so does Amber. And so it's so funny. It's like, oh man, you guys already have like the same bed head and just like silly <laughs> things yeah. that you can find that connection in um, uh, that I hope kind of fills Amber's bucket a little bit. <laughs> well, and yeah. it's so like, I will now out myself as like kind of a moron, but I think it was like last <laughs> Christmas we were, or, or sometime around the holidays, I was home and staying with Emily and Amber and I was sitting there thinking out loud, trying to figure out what color eyes the baby would have. And I was like, well, Emily has green eyes. Amber has blue eyes. And like trying to draw this little punnet square. <laughs> and they were look, like, both of them were looking at me like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, Emily has green eyes and Amber has blue eyes. And they, they were like, there's a donor. <laughs> and I was like, oh, right. Duh, obviously. Yeah. But it was like, and I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think that like that part of her is important. Like, obviously like it is, but it was just so like to me as like the outsider family member, I'm just like, yeah, this is so like the baby that you two are like having or have had together. together. And it like, actually like partially I'm just like maybe a little bit dumb. And partially I think it's just (laughs) that I so see you guys together that like, that's where my brain was at at that time and I still forget sometimes those those moments like for me those are like oh I do get validated in that and you're one of the most intelligent people I know so I don't think you're dumb (laughs) and instead well I was even like oh she's she's like trying to make me feel no I was really trying to figure it out right right well what's funny is mom did the same thing um, trying to figure out like if it, um, her height and was like, well, your your family, our family's pretty tall, but Amber's pretty short, and this is, and I'm like, well, but Amber, it doesn't matter how tall Amber is in the sense of how tall our daughter is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not the only one, I, and that's I think it's great. Yeah, right? it's like, a beautiful thing. That people don't recognize that you do Amber, because you, this is your lived experience, but other people don't recognize it off the bat that, that, wait, this isn't, that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Because you guys make sense, you know? So it's just, it's, um, it's beautiful that people can see it in that light. Um, and I think your daughter will too, um, because science is only so much, the rest is like fucking magic. Right. And like, environment and like you know she's gonna definitely have both of your traits growing up you know she's gonna adopt a lot of mannerisms and different character you know character traits and what she sees around her you know that's like the most important thing like biologically Mm -hmm. you're just we're just a bunch of cells but like our spirits are made from you know a lot of different things so well and if we want to get all woo woo (laughs) her sun sign is a Taurus and that's oh. Amber's rising sign. Mm. And then her rising is a cancer and that's Amber's sun sign. Mm. So like they are going to be connected and I feel like they're going to gang up on me. <laughs> in a sense. So like, yeah, there's going to be connections just like based on like their astrological similarities as well. Mm. And just spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Just- 
you know, yeah, there are some schools of thought that that believe that we pick where we go when we enter this corporeal form. And so if that is a direction that your mind goes, like she chose to be with you two. Yeah, for sure. At least in some way, you know, I don't know what, and probably that thinking is different than how human brains think. Right. But (laughs) who knows? Energy. Yeah. It's all this energy pool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So are you, so I heard you say a few times family, are you thinking of having more children? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so we've so always... parents of the five month old. I know. Yeah. Right? I know. You're like, ask me in a year or two. Yeah. yeah. We've <laughs> always wanted, like, I don't know, Amber and I have always wanted a fa- like a, a big family, mm-hmm. big. Like, I don't want like five kids or anything, mm-hmm. but, um, even in our vows to each other, I think we both mentioned like the importance of having a family together. Um, mm-hmm. And just like, yeah, that's part of our like core values and what we've always wanted. So yes, mm-hmm. we have the option. We have embryos still from this mm-hmm. same donor. We were lucky enough to have um, four more that are like stored and frozen and we mm-hmm. can use them when we want to, if we want to. So. Um, I definitely would love siblings for her. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like you said, kind of get through these first couple <laughs> years. We've also yeah. said to each other, like, maybe not two in diapers at the same time. So we'll wait yeah. until she's like using, you know, potty trained and that sort of thing. So we have some years to think about it and yeah. just appreciate our time with just her for a while yeah. before, before we have another Totally. And I'm sorry, I don't, I didn't, I'm going to retract because obviously you guys are a family as is, you know, but a bigger family, I guess you could say more kids, you know, more, more children. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else in terms of like the myths about the process that you would want to say, or is there any advice you would want to give to people on a similar, uh, fertility journey? especially people in like same sex, like biologically female relationships. Cause it seems like there's some like specificity to your experience there, but like, what advice do you have? Um, do you have anything off the top of your head, Am? Yeah. yeah. Well, what I would like to start with is this story is ours. You know, we aren't saying oh, IVF was the way to go. Everyone should start there, all that. Like, this was our story. This is what worked and happened for us. And there's nothing to say that the next IVF round will go as smoothly. Um, But it's totally worth it. Totally worth it, you know. And for me, where I was at, not being the caring parent, I thought a lot about the finances early on when we were trying the other methods. And... um, like almost using that as a reason not to 
go to IVF more quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, that again worked for us. But at the same time, this really brought our family full circle. And I, in the last five months, haven't thought at all about that. Mm-hmm. Where I really thought like that would be the thing that I was like constantly trying to, you know, calculate and like make sure it was good. And um, it was, it's been much smaller once there's another life that needs to be taken care of and mm-hmm. you're up with that night and things. And then I'll also say is be open with your partner or your family or have someone um, that you can talk about. Like if, if you're the non-caring partner, if you're feeling less valid than the caring partner, if you're feeling less seen or less cared for, all of that can potentially build up to resentment. And if you're trying to start a family and that's what you and your partner really want, the last thing I think anyone needs to go into that with is is added baggage, right? We already have enough stuff that like if you are in the middle of this process and you're feeling those things, your partner might not be the one because <laughs> respect what they're also going through. So have somebody. Yeah. Have somebody to talk to. I think that's really, really huge. Yeah. And I would say remember to breathe like through it all and like that's kind of advice to myself too because I think there were so many times where I got so worked up about things and it's hard not to when you're being injected with hormones and you really want this thing to happen and it's not happening but just remember that like life does happen the way it's supposed to and so if you just remember to breathe and lean on your partner and find your your people and your friends and try not to compare yourself to other people um it will make it all a little easier I mean easier said than done right like hindsight 2020 but um I will try to keep that in mind for myself the next time if we go through this again um to just breathe and things are going to happen the way that they're supposed to happen and there are groups out there there are plenty of like I found a Facebook group, but it, it took, for me, it got to be too intense hearing all these other people's stories. And because then I was doing that comparison thing. Mm-hmm. So if that's not good for you, don't do it. If it is, if you want that community, if you want other people's stories while you're going through it, they are out there and you just kind of have to dig a little for them. Mm-hmm. I think both of you just gave such good advice and I love the the reminder to listeners that this is your story so take it as information take it as interesting but if you're on a journey trying to start a family and challenged by fertility for one reason or another like maybe try and find some hope here but don't compare um you know the outcome of your child took six years to achieve (laughs) (laughs) It was not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's easy to focus on the end result and compare like someone at the beginning of their journey could look and see where you're at now and be comparing and feeling really bad uh, about themselves. But it was this whole long process, all these steps to get there. So just really appreciate that. Sure. If we talked to you three years ago, it would have been a totally different, it would have been a different story, right? And when you're in it. So the people that are listening that may be in it right now, you know, it's, just breathe right breathe and breathe through it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. well is there anything that you two want to plug or places you want to send our listeners to um 
before we wrap up here, we haven't talked about your professions much, but so that folks know, I mean, I'll embarrass them a little bit, but Amber <laughs> is an incredible um, personal trainer and coach, all kinds of really great certifications. Um, Am, do you want to just let folks know where they can find you if they're interested in um, your personal training slash wellness coaching services? Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, the The best place to reach me, the easiest is Instagram. And the handle is queerly underscore holistic underscore Amber. Awesome. And it's got all sorts of lifestyle, holistic lifestyle. Um, yeah, advice and follow along with the journey. And you might even see some cute pictures of the baby we're talking about. Oh. <laughs> and folks can't tell from listening to Amber's perspective. Um, they are a very grounded, very wise person. Um, I imagine an incredible coach that I call Amber when my life is falling apart or my heart is ripped open and I always get like the best, most grounding advice. Um, and uh, they also healed my IT band when it was hurt once <laughs> by giving me a little online personal training session and teaching me how to foam roll. So very talented. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. And speaking of places to find people, where can listeners find us? Well, they can also find us on the Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> at shh, don't talk about it podcast. No, shh, underscore don't talk about it pod. <laughs> I never remember. It's like not even a bit. Like we just never remember. <laughs> and you can also email us at your stories, your feedback. Um, if you'd like to come on the show and you have an interesting story to talk about, let us know. Um, if you don't find us on Instagram, you can email at info at shdonttalk.com. Um, sh has three H's. Um, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast apps. Those ratings really help other people find us and help these stories reach a bigger audience. So yes. thank you all so much. Yes, absolutely. And thank, thank you, too, too, for sharing your story with us today. It's incredible. It's amazing brave all the things so really appreciate it and i think it's gonna help a lot of people as well through their journey yeah thank you for having us all right yeah this was fun Yay. love you too bye love you.